Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we look ahead to the Under-20 FIFA World Cup, which kicks off in Argentina on Saturday with four African teams there. We hear from Nigeria defender Benjamin Frederick. We are training hard to know, to make sure we win any of our opponents we meet in the World Cup. That's coming shortly. Also, as we continue to celebrate turning 10 years as a show, we look at the decline in flair in African football. While players like Roger Miller and JJ Okocha made Africa famous for their skills and tricks, some feel that the game has become too scientific and too European. We hear from Zambian AFCON winner Clifford Mulenga. It's something that we need to to be proud of and we need to, to continue doing because it's what brings out the African footballer in as Africans. And also we have Stuart on Man City's dominance and the demise of Southampton, the first team to be relegated from the English Premier League this season. Well, first, the Under-17 Africa Cup of Nations ends this weekend in Algeria. The final on on Friday at Senegal against Morocco. Both teams won their semi-finals on penalties. Senegal beating Burkina Faso and Morocco beating Mali. Now, those four semi-finalists will be Africa's representatives at the FIFA Under-17 World Cup later this year. And the tournaments just keep on coming, with the Under-20 World Cup kicking off in Argentina on Saturday. There are 24 teams taking part, four from Africa. Senegal are in Group C with Japan, Israel and Colombia. Nigeria play in Group D with Brazil, Italy and Dominican Republic. Tunisia are in Group E with England, Uruguay and Iraq. And the Gambia play in Group F with France, South Korea and Honduras. Well, Senegal are the African champions. They beat the Gambia 1-0 in the under-20 AFCON final in Egypt in March. And, well, Ida, we can always be hopeful with the African teams at this age level. Right, Steve. Africa has traditionally done well at the junior age grade. However, what happens at the senior level is anybody's guess. But, look, that's a conversation for another day. Well, Ghana are not at this year's edition, but they won the Under-20 World Cup in 2009 when they beat Brazil to do it. Plus, we do have some countries with real, real experience at this stage representing Africa this year. So let's get into it. Let's start with Senegal. Now, they made it courtesy of winning the Under-20 African. And Steve, it's one thing to win a tournament... It's another to do so without conceding a single goal. It's definitely an impressive team, but competition at the global stage will be much higher, so they should be ready for a fight. Good thing is that the team has a bunch of young players at international level already, some based in France, Belgium, and different parts of Europe, so they do understand the international dynamic that would be at play here. And getting past the group stage is something the junior Teranga Lions are used to in this competition. I mean, they've done it in each of their previous three appearances. Their best performance, Steve, was in their 2015 debut in New Zealand, where they got to the semis and just missed out on a podium finishing fourth. 
Looking at Nigeria, and well, as many know, their junior teams are one of the best, if not the best on the continent historically when it does come to these youth competitions, though they've traditionally always done better in the Under-17 World Cup. But even in the under-20, they've taken silver twice in 1989 and then in 2005. They are in a tough group with the likes of Brazil, but they may want to get some inspiration from that Ghanaian team of 2009, you know, that beat the Selesau, as we've said, to become champions. Nigeria, they finished third at the under-20 Afghan, and they will need to up their game at this elite level. As for Tunisia, well, they have a special relationship with this tournament, Steve. You see, they hosted the inaugural FIFA Under-20 World Cup. That was back in 1977. And well, it's not been smooth sailing for them since. They have missed out on many, many editions in between. But they'll no doubt look to make their mark on their return this year. The Gambia for me, well, this is a country that many sub-Saharan nations can emulate. How you know their recent football success is not just a one-off? They're starting to feature at big events and they are going a long way in them. I mean, you saw their senior team at the Afghan going all the way to their quarters in their maiden edition, being the lowest ranked team in the tournament's history. And now their juniors are at global stage. And it's not the first time either, Steve. They reached the knockout stages in 2007 in Canada, and the team will no doubt be inspired by their senior team's performance at continental level. This is how you know a country is working to develop its football. And Steve, this year's under 20, well, it hasn't even started, but it's not been without its fair share of drama already. Remember, it was moved from Indonesia to Argentina last minute after Indonesia had a problem hosting the Israeli team for political reasons. That's actually the only way that Argentina made it. Otherwise, the six-time champions weren't even in competition. And the under-20 Steve, it does make a return after a four-year hiatus. So let's see what it holds in store. Indeed, yes, sir. Thanks, Ida. Let's now hear from a member of Nigeria's Flying Eagles, who are in Group D then with Brazil, Italy and the Dominican Republic. Uh, Benjamin Frederick is a highly rated defender. He's only 17. Uh, Frederick plays for Naswari United in the Nigerian top flight and is attracting interest around Europe as Anderlecht, RB Leipzig and Michelin are tracking him. Uh, Frederick was one of the standout players at the under-20 AFCON. He's a product of Moses Simon's Simon Ben Academy in Kaduna. He spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji about his football and his faith. Uh, the tournament in Egypt was good. We have a great team, but we were unlucky tournament. But as we are going for the World Cup, we try to put our best and we'll do more better. You guys had um, a very good opportunity to actually go as far as um, winning the tournament. But like you said, you picked a ticket to go to the World Cup. Tell me, what are the lessons you've learned from the under-20s uh, Afghan? No underrating of the t- any team, any country, because in the Afghan, we underrated Gambia. That was why we lost that match. But I'm assuring, us, I'm assuring the country that as we are going for the World Cup, we'll try to do our best, we'll put more effort to win. 
Also, when you look at the, um, your group at the World Cup, it's a very tough one. You're face, facing Brazil and Italy, as well as um, Dominican Republic. I know there are no minnows in football, like you said earlier. Um, how confident are you going into this World Cup with these two um, powerhouses of youth football? Yeah, we are going with a better confidence. We are going to win. I will put more effort to do our best. We are training hard to know, to make sure we win any of our opponents we meet in the World Cup. And um, you're a Christian? Yeah. How important is your faith to your football in terms of how you prepare and how you pray and all that? Yeah, my brother, to fit in football is that you pray, you work hard. When you pray alone, you don't work hard. It can't happen. But when you pray and you work hard, it will happen. And I believe that we are going to do better in the World Cup. Would you consider yourself to be a praying, a prayer warrior in terms of when it comes to praying and working hard? Yeah, 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 yeah. I consider myself as a prayer warrior. And I know how to do it very well. And I work hard. It will be. It will come out in a better way. Do you have a favorite verse in the Bible or some part you like? Yeah, yeah. Psalm 91, from verse one to the end. I can I can recite all from one to end. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> so you do one to two. Yes. Okay. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, this is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I trust. Wow. I've never seen any football I recite more than more than the line you've done. You've done. How, how did you come about that? Yeah, it was a training from small, a morning devotion from the family. I used to do it every day, so that is how I learned it, and I know how to do it perfectly. Wow! So you're from a home of Christian? Yeah. yeah. So your parents, they also they also pray like this, like you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always pray for me, and they always pray together as one family. That's Nigeria's Benjamin Frederick on his football and his faith looking ahead to the under-20 FIFA World Cup, which starts on Saturday. Also, we have the second legs of the CAF Champions League this weekend. Our athlete of Egypt in a commanding position at home to Esperance of Tunisia with a 3-0 lead from the first leg. And Sundowns of South Africa host Widad Casablanca of Morocco after a goalless first leg. Well, South Africa star Percy Tao scored twice for Al-Athli last weekend in their win over Esperance, showing that he's one of the best players on the continent. Al-Athli signed in from Brighton in the English Premier League for 1.8 million US dollars, and he's on a salary believed to be around about $100,000 a month. Also, the Confederation Cup semi-finals were played midweek and Yanga of Tanzania beat Marumo Gallants of South Africa 4-1 on aggregate. Yanga will play USM Algier of Algeria in the final. USM beat Asek Mimosas of Ivory Coast 2-0 on aggregate. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on Manchester City's dominance in the Champions League and the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, here at Planet Sport Football Africa, this month we're celebrating turning 10 years as a show. Uh, We started out in May 2013 and we've covered numerous stories in African football. Uh, We've been to many tournaments and we've spoken to many big names on the continent. And we've really appreciated your support, whether you joined us from our early days or if you're a new listener to the show. So this month we're reflecting on aspects of the African game over the past 10 years and giving you some of our highlights. Uh, This week we're taking a look at the style of African play. 
Uh, there's no doubt that the flair in African football is not what it used to be. Uh, the likes of Cameroon's Roger Miller won admirers all around the world for their stylish play for the flair. Uh, but these days, there's a feeling that the African flair has been diluted uh, because of modern methods of football and because many top African stars have actually grown up in Europe and have been developed by academies there. Now, back in 2017, I spoke to Ghana legend Abdul Razak. He was a winner of the 1978 Africa Cup of Nations. He feels that it's sad that the flair has gone. For African football, we should keep it up. We shouldn't abandon our... Because the Europeans cannot play our style. So we also don't need to play the European style. We keep to our African style. Dribbling, head with the ball, control, you can do anything on the field. You know, you shoot, you dribble, one, two, you go. It's not coming anymore. Becoming tactical, control, you give, you come back, on the right, you go left, you come back, and then finally you love the ball to the eight. No, that's not African football. So that's Ghana legend Abdul Razak. I was speaking to him back in 2017 in Gabon at the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, Razak was a winner of the 1978 uh, AFCON. I'm joined by uh, Clifford Mulenga in Lusaka in Zambia. Clifford was an Africa Cup of Nations winner in 2012 with Chipolo Polo. He was the 2007 African Young Player of the Year. Uh, played 13 seasons in South Africa and is currently back home uh, ending his career with Forest Rangers uh, in Zambia. Welcome to the show, Clifford. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Steve. Great to have you on the show. We were together in Algeria earlier this year at the CHAN, the African Nations Championship. Um, so this issue of flair that has made African football so attractive over the years, uh, no doubt that it uh, has reduced a lot, Clifford? I think uh, the flair is still there. The, the only difference is that we've got a lot more African players uh, playing their trade in Europe at the time. So one of the uh, teams that's been most criticised is uh, Senegal, uh, the way that they, well, they've had lots of success, obviously, in recent years, uh, especially at the uh, last World Cup. They were criticised uh, for pretty much playing like a European team, uh, not playing with uh, flair, not with much entertainment. Um, and uh, as you say, this is understandable because uh, many, uh, probably most of their players actually have grown up in France and have been through academies there. So we're actually seeing African teams uh, that have been groomed in European styles and tactics. Like, for example, I'll give an example of myself. Uh, when you start football on the streets, the one thing that you're going to do is want to dribble everyone. You want to be skillful. You want to, to show board, all those kind of things, you know. And when you get into these uh, African academies, most of them, you're, you're encouraged to dribble, encouraged to, to showcase your talent. But when you go into these more um, advanced academies in Europe where there's a lot, of, a lot more discipline, there's a lot more organization, uh, they, you know, they have got a certain way of how they want to play football, which is very, very organized. So... Those type of academies are going to learn to, to get the ball, how to trap the ball, how to pass the ball, how to make a run, you know, where, when the ball should move to a certain place in a set, at a certain time. So basically the football in Europe is, is more timing, is more timed, it's more, uh, organized and you move as a unit, uh, compared to African football where you're just allowed to express yourself because, uh, talent here mostly is, uh, is very, very natural. So, uh, a lot of players, they don't, don't need to be taught how to, to dribble and how to do certain things compared to uh, our European counterparts. So 
uh, it's going to be very, very different because in Europe you're not you're not going to be allowed to express yourself more as in terms of of dribbling and showboating as as in the case that it is in certain African countries. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's hear from uh, JJ Okacha, the Nigerian who has been one of the most entertaining players uh, down the years uh, in European football, uh, known for his flair uh, for his showboating sometimes. But uh, he told uh, Planet Sport Football Africa's uh, Stuart Weir that uh, you must uh, exercise flare with caution well no i mean uh, it's always um, clear that you stand out if you have certain uh, natural talent natural ability to do things that others could not do you know but of course my main target then was always to to win you know and of course if we are winning comfortably then it gives me the opportunity to exhibit my skills you know but uh, the main target is always to win and it's almost uh, always the team but I mean, I think of just some of the tricks, the way you would beat a defender and absolutely send them completely the wrong way. Well, I mean, that's a natural talent, you know. I mean, and that's, that's why it seems sometimes as if um, it's just for show, you know. But that's my own way of getting past players. And, and that's uh, maybe it was my strength. So that's uh, the great J.J. Okacha. He says, well, it's a winning matches that is more important than the uh, flair, Clifford. Yes, uh, like when you when you look at uh, J.J. Okacha's career, um, he was one of the most skillful players that this world has ever seen. Uh, anyone can attest to, to this statement, and he really, really inspired a lot of us yeah, young footballers how to, to be confident on the ball, to express yourself on the ball and to do some tricks, you know. If you look at the, the, the moments in which he did the showboating, it was when his team was maybe winning and he was comfortable and he could, you know, he could show a little bit of his skill here and there. Unfortunately, we've got certain footballs whereby you're three knee down, but you still want to, to showboat, which is not helping the team. So showboating is allowed, but you need to know when to do it. And I think uh, this should also be encouraged from, from the coaches. They need to, to teach their players when they can, you know, they can show both and, 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 and when they're supposed to, you know, to play the, the right type of football. Yeah, absolutely. Now, at the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt, I spoke to Cameroon's Joseph Antoine Bell, uh, one of the greatest African goalkeepers of all time. He played at the World Cup in 1982, 1990 and 94. He says that flair, entertaining football, brings people to the stadium. It's a, a matter of philosophy. What do you want from football? Do you want to entertain people, to bring people? What we should do now in Africa is thinking about that. Uh, if people do, do not come to watch games, maybe it's also because there is no entertainment and then they just come to support their team. We want people to come to support football, to watch football. And if you want to watch football, I'm not an... Uh, 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 Spanish, but I, I, I love watching Barcelona. So you can do the same thing. We have to think like that. Trying to have good teams displaying good football. So that's a Joseph Antoine Bell. Um, still with a Clifford Mulenga, who won the Africa Cup of Nations with Zambia in uh, 2012. And uh, it does still exist in uh, quite a number of domestic leagues around Africa, this flair. And the fans love the tricks that the players do, especially here in Zimbabwe and in uh, uh, many other countries too. They love this uh, showboating, this flair and this entertainment. Uh, and it does, it, in a way, uh, keep fans coming to the stadium, Clifford. Um, yes, of course. Uh, the, uh, the fans love to, to see a bit of skill from the players. 
we enjoy uh, showboating. Sometimes we want to, you know, to to impress the crowd. We want to get the crowd going, and uh, you know that's why you find that every crowd has got uh, a favorite in the team. And every time they come to the stadium, they just want to see their player on the ball. So it, it's something that is in us. It's an African thing. Entertainment is in, is is in us as Africa. That's why even when it comes to dancing, Africa is the best. When we when it comes to singing, I think Africa is the best as well. So entertainment is something that that we have grown up, and it's something that we we cannot uh, do away with. So um, we just need to know when to entertain, when to show board, and when when it's necessary to be done. But uh, for me, sometimes on the pitch, uh, someone does some showboarding. I also get to, to to stop and actually enjoy what the what the other players are doing because it brings out the Africanness in us, that that African flair of, of football in us as well. You know, to some people it's going to be annoying, but to us as an African continent, uh, this is this is part of us, and it's something that no one can take away from us. So. It's something that we need to, to be proud of and we need to, to continue doing because it's what brings out the African footballer in us Africans. Well, speaking there to Clifford Mulenga, who won the Africa Cup of Nations with Zambia back in 2012, and asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. Do we need more flair in African football? So as we were hearing there, the continent used to be famous for players like JJ Okacha and Roger Miller and the amazing things that they could do with the ball. Now, these days, there's certainly less flair in the African game. Some feel it's become too European now in Africa. Uh, no doubt football has become more scientific and the results are perhaps more important than the entertainment Uh, but do we need to bring back the days of african flair with the skills the expression and the showboating and fancy tricks that can attract fans to the stadium you can post a comment on our facebook page that's planet sport football africa or send us a whatsapp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero that's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero do we need more flair in african football well now let's go to our european football expert stuart weir in the uk and it's manchester city against inter milan in the uefa champions league final next month and a man city hugely impressive stuart as they are dispatched at real madrid in the semis well crushed them it was such a one-sided game uh two goals in each half Real Madrid just never, never were in the game. And, and again, as we keep saying, you know, Manchester City brought on Maris and Foden for the last 10 minutes. Uh, the strength in depth of that squad is just amazing. Now, Inter Milan won both legs of the tie with AC Milan. You can't really call them home and away legs because the both teams play at the San Siro Stadium. So effectively a home tie for both teams. And incidentally, Steve, their away dressing room was empty because there are three changing rooms in the stadium, the inter dressing room, the AC Milan dressing room and the away one. So both teams were in the home dressing room and the away dressing room was empty. Work that one out. (laughs) Interesting. And uh, Manchester City now with uh, the business of uh, finishing off the English Premier League and uh, winning the FA Cup as well. Looks as though after Arsenal's defeat last weekend that it's uh, pretty much game over. Well, Manchester City could actually win the title this weekend and they could win it without even playing. They have three games to play and they need at most three points, but that assumes that Arsenal will uh, beat Nottingham Forest. Now, last weekend, City won 3-0 away to Everton, while Arsenal lost 3-0 at home to Brighton. 
And the real difference between the two teams is to look at the last seven games the top two have played. Manchester City have won all seven. Arsenal's last seven games, two wins, three draws, two defeats. But Steve, what on earth is going on at Brighton? Winning 6-0 against Wolves, then losing 5-1 at home to Everton, then they go to Arsenal and win 3-0. And Brighton are simply on course for their best ever Premier League finish. And we need to mention that in City's win, Haaland scored his 52nd goal of the season. Incredible. But it was a good weekend for African strikers as well, with Brentford beating West Ham 2-0, with Buemo and Wissa scoring. Forrest increased their chances of staying in the Premier League with a 2-2 draw away to Chelsea, with Awani scoring twice. And Eze scored twice for Crystal Palace as they beat Bournemouth. He is half Nigerian. Now, Sam Allardyce's first game as Leeds manager was a certainly a memorable one. Leeds were ahead in seven minutes, then awarded a penalty, but Bamford's penalty was saved by the Newcastle keeper Pope. Newcastle then took the 2-1 lead with two penalties of their own from Callum Wilson, but Leeds got a late equaliser. So Sam got a decent start, you could say. And the game was certainly memorable for Leeds' junior Firpo. He won a penalty, he conceded a penalty, and was later shown a red card. And with Leicester City and Everton losing, Leeds and Forrest drawing, All four are still in a relegation battle. Two will survive and two will go down. Strange statistic for Harry Kane, who scored in his fifth consecutive away game for Tottenham, but hasn't been on the winning side in any of them. Then there's disturbing news about Ivan Toney, the Brentford striker who scored 20 Premier League goals this season and be capped for England. He admitted to having placed over 200 bets on football in breach of the FA betting rules and has been suspended from all football and football-related activity for eight months. That's until next January. The case here is, Steve, that if you are playing professional football, you are not allowed to bet on professional football because either there's the risk that you're using inside information or indeed that you're uh, trying to fix the results to suit your bet. A very sad case, a player with great talent, and now he's going to be out of the game for more than half of next season. Yeah, sad indeed, uh, that with uh, Ivan Tony. Um, so Southampton, the first team relegated this season, Stuart? Yes, Southampton relegated from the Premier League after 12 seasons in the top flight. When they dropped into the relegation zone in November... Ralph Hasenhutl was fired. He'd been manager for four years, taking the team to 16th, twice to 11th and once 15th. Southampton then appointed Nathan Jones, but he lost seven of his first eight games and was gone. And Southampton have never got out of the bottom three. Jones at the time seemed a strange choice with no previous Premier League experience. You know, with hindsight, I suspect Southampton wished they'd stuck with Hasenhutl. Southampton is a city of quarter of a million people, one of the smaller cities to have a Premier League club. And survival in the top level is honestly the best that they can realistically hope for. But already there's speculation that James Ward-Prowse and other top players will leave in the summer. 
and Southampton will find themselves in the championship. At the moment, they don't have a manager. They're probably going to lose their best players. They'll have less income than this season. And the last time Southampton were relegated was 2005. It took them seven years to bounce back. And you'd have to be a supreme optimist to say that they will get promoted immediately. The club is owned by Chinese businessman Gao Jixing, and I suppose it depends how much money he's prepared to put into the club at the moment. Southampton, you know, have got friends in high places. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is from Southampton, and he was at the game last weekend, but it didn't seem to help. The club has five African players. Mohamed Salazou from Ghana, who's been there for three years, as has Moussa Dinepo from Mali. Then they've got three players who have just been there for one season. Joe Ariba from Nigeria, Kamaldin Suleimana from Ghana, Paul Onuacha from Nigeria. It's a sad day to see a community club like Southampton, part of the Premier League for most of its history, going down. And it leaves those five African players with an uncertain future. Yes, a shame to see Southampton relegated. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, so big games this weekend to look out for then. Manchester City at home to Chelsea. That's on Sunday. On Saturday, Arsenal play away to Nottingham Forest. Uh, Manchester United away to Bournemouth on Saturday. Liverpool at home to Aston Villa. And Newcastle have a game on Monday at home to Leicester as that battle for the top four continues. Well, that's it for the show. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport. Football Africa is a passion for sport production.